On today's show, Dave interviews Laura Kraft. Laura's an Iowa and Second City alum. She's written for Crossballs, The Debate Show, The Wanda Sykes Show, and The Colbert Report. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Isn't that Mark? Hmm? Yeah, we're in the car. We're going to our favorite tree. We're going to the most gorgeous tree. We're going to go hang out with some elves. Right. And some Peeler sprites. Guys. We have to get some cookies in the tree. There's going to be sprites. So you got this dog. Spirits. So anyway, I had a beautiful mutt name. We're talking about dogs. And right. I don't like chihuahuas. And I had the most gorgeous dog. She was a Sheltie mix. Uh-huh. And then I can't remember what the impetus was, except that Carrie knew I had this dog, Floyd. Right. So she called and asked me if I wanted this pug, Emmy. or I think she said, will you take her for like a weekend or do you want to look? I can't remember how it even went down. Uh-huh. Um, but then that was like 12 years ago. Oh my God, you still have this dog? Yeah, and she's in great shape. Uh-huh. She's like maybe 13. She was maybe a year when I got her. Uh-huh. And she was crazy. Now, this is a good tree here, too. Oh, wait. That tree up there. Oh, yeah. You see that tree? Oh, that's a lovely That's tree. a really good tree. Okay, we're on, uh, what tree is um, We're on Beechwood. I feel like it's on Beechwood. First, isn't no, it? No, it is. It's on, no, it's on the street. Is this Beechwood? Yeah. Well, no, that was Beechwood. Is this First? I think we're on First. We're coming up to it. It is we're the craziest tree. tree. I was telling it is first. Stuff. I knew it was first. Yeah, it's on, it, oh, yeah, we're coming so up to it. There it is. We're coming up to it. It's it's further down. Right there, though. Yeah, it's right there, though. Oh my god. It looks like a banyan tree. It does, but it's but the banyan doesn't start till up higher. Right. It's like an extended I mean, banyan. Oh my god! Look at right, you. Right. Oh right. So it's at Windsor and First, right on the south. Tree. Do they trim it? No, that's impossible. No, it's just the way it is. But doesn't it look like it got a little trim? It's very yeah. like round right got now. Got a little trim. Who wouldn't want a little trim? I'm gonna go back up. Does that mean vagi- that means like vagina, right? It means just anything you can get on the side. But it means like a, a lady's genitalia. Well, it, it's like anything where you get a little. You're thinking like, of tail. No, I think tail. tail is anything. Tail. Maybe I think get, trim is female yeah. specific. Okay, so this is where I, I, I scoped this out earlier. Oh, nice. If we park right here. You can park here. It's not Monday. Right, that's what I was scoping out. Whatever we want. Right? And then yeah. we can really take a look at that stupid fossil yeah. thing. This is the most beautiful tree. Yeah, it really is. I can't believe that you. They need to have a ladder up it so we can climb up there. I th- I think that that should be a private ladder. Yeah. But not a public ladder. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. But still, how nice for like kids of America to be able to climb that tree and hang out. Yeah, the kids, kids of America. Let's see what happens. Keep talking. I want the to see Jewish the, side of me let's see what the sound looks. thinks about the liability. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. The top is really great. The whole thing. I love how open it is on all the sides because mm-hmm. it really is mm-hmm. open. And it's crazy good. Yeah. It's crazy good. So you, so this dog. I want to talk about the dog. Okay. Um, and what is this? About, uh, not a blog. A podcast. That's the question? I'm I don't not know the a, question. What is what what is it about comedy or something? It's just about us talking. Oh, nice! That's all that it's about. Um, are you a big podcast listener? I I listen to some, but I saw that you like Fresh Air. I like Fresh Air. I like. Oh, news by the way, ones. you know we started right. Oh, we started. Okay. Yeah, we started when we were driving. Oh, okay. Um, I love Fresh Air. I do too. It was funny. I feel like there's a way of distinguishing people um, by what they fantasize when they listen to Fresh Air. I would say most of my friends fantasize about being interviewed by Terry Gross. Mm-hmm. I fantasize about being Terry Gross. I have no desire to be interviewed, but I would love to ask the questions that I feel like she misses sometimes. I think that I, I agree. I agree. I saw her speak at um, I saw her speak at Royce Hall, 
and she had some nasty shit to say about mm. Peter Boyle. <gasps> she had nasty stuff to say? Not nasty stuff, but Peter she Boyle was, was kind a of a douchebag. He was kind of an asshole. And uh, Lou Reed, as we all know, he's probably an asshole. He was born an asshole. Yeah. Lou Reed, she kept saying, like, tell me how old you are. And he's like, I, we're not, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. And then they went, she went, that's fair enough, fair enough. And Well, she played this. And then Why she did said, she figure it out, though? Isn't it like public record how old I know. I can't remember that okay. part. He said he didn't want to talk about it. Mm. Or maybe he said he just didn't want to talk about it. And then she said, in 19 blah, 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 you were in the middle, you were in your mid, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I don't want to talk about I told you I didn't want to talk about that. And she goes, I'm totally sorry. I'm just so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. And then she, another time, if somebody wanted to figure out how old he was, this would have been, he goes, he said this, fuck this, this interview's over. See, here's what I think of that. It's his prerogative not to have to talk about how old he is. I get it. And maybe I wouldn't have said that when I was younger, but like, why? I feel, yeah, I think there's a lot of times she interviews things, she interviews in a way where I, I don't think she's doing the best job, but I love her. I find her charming, but I just think like, you know, I don't know. There's several times where like, she just interviewed Mary Roach. Is that is? Did you listen to that interview? Uh, was that Mary, Mary Roach? Wrote, writes, she's a writer of those books. Yeah, she wrote Stiff and, and uh, <laughs> Boink, and I think this one's yeah. called Burp, maybe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's and it about must the, have just come out in paperback. Oh, did it really? Well, that might, might be why it just oh, came okay. out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's about the gastrointestinal. It's about your digestive yes, process. I heard that interview. And Terry Gross just kept going really gross right away. Right. Terry Gross was going gross, and I and I was just thinking like, there's so many parts of digestive. Um, issues and things that you would discover that I would love to know. Right. Why did she immediately go just to like the sort of sensational? I wonder why she's taking so much time off. Oh, was she taking? She takes a lot. Like Dave Davies comes in a lot. Yeah. And I wonder why does Dave Davies get the certain episodes that he gets, and why does she yeah. get? Because he gets a lot of science stuff. Yeah. And she Maybe gets. Maybe she doesn't know it. Right. 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 And there's a guy on that show that needs to go the fuck away. Is it the entertainment guy who does yes. movies? Yes. Movies worth David B. And TV worth watching? Yes, with David B. and Cooley. And, and this is the way he talks. He says, there's a new program on ABC. I think that you'd really appreciate it if you really like adventure. The adventure novel is, the adventure genre isn't done very much anymore in episodics. And it says, yeah. that he does. And I just want to grab him and go, fucking stop breathing. You have to stop breathing right now. Yeah. And he, he can't. He's got, that's just how. That's how you So is live. he going to the end of the line of each, like however he's written it out? And at the end, he, it's, does he, do you think he has a parenthetical gasp? I don't know. People don't talk that way. It's on Thursday night. <gasps> yes. And, right. Yeah. I think that somebody gave him some bad advice and said, breathe in every time, breathe in at the end of every sentence. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have to think about breathing. Well, you know how newscasters, I have a brother who's a newscaster. Report a TV reporter. If we're where in Phoenix, Arizona, mm -hmm. I almost said Phoenix, Illinois, Phoenix, mm -hmm. Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's KTSP. It's Channel Ten. It's Fox local affiliate. Mm -hmm. Steve Kraft. He does political and legal coverage, and then also um, sort of police blotter stuff. And he does sort of humorous things, and all. He's very he's great. But he does the thing that reporters do, where they punch every third word that you heard about in the broadcast news. So, oh, oh. So, okay. for example, he'll say like, "We're sitting next to a tree on first, You know, I. Got that it. thing, got it. And I don't know why he does that. I suppose he has to professionally, but why? How did that become an industry standard? It's also interesting because I noticed people when I was in Amsterdam. You didn't do Amsterdam, Chicago. No, and I always wish I had. 
I'm friends with those guys, went to my high school. Right. I've known them since high school, John Rosenfeld. And he um, asked me to go in the first round. I'd just gotten hired at Second City. And so I threw my lot in with Second City. What a mistake that was. It was a huge mistake. <laughs> what, a, what a nightmare. But Boom Chicago also at the very beginning. Also, um, I'm the kind of person who if I'm in a show, I tend to be like, end up being the producer of it just because I'll, I'm the person who, I can't stand empty silence and conversation. So whenever there's a group of improvisers who are rehearsing and then someone says, we should get a space. There's a big pause. Oh. I'll always go, I'll get the space. Like I can't, I'll make the flyers. <laughs> I'll book it. Like I, so that's how I ended up being a producer is out of just right. a distaste for silence. I was wondering how you got to be a producer. I was yeah. wondering how that happened. But you were, you've been a producer for a Ooh, I'm you, sorry. It's okay. I didn't know some. You've been a producer for a while. What was the show, the game? You did a game show. You produced a game show. I've produced so many game shows. I've had the weirdest career, career being very loosely termed. Mm -hmm. um, but I, uh, yeah, how did I become a producer? Not how did you become a, well, I was wondering how you became a producer and you just answered the question. And my question was, you did a game show and then you said, I did a lot of game shows. Did. Didn't you do a game show with a lot of our, our people? I remember going to an auditioning. Well, my Oh, really? Not auditioning, but you were running something. The Blame Game? The Blame Game was my first job in TV. Right. I think that, and where was that? That was here, That was right? on MTV in right? LA. Right. I was working in an architecture <laughs> firm. Uh, doing what? Doing like marker renderings of blueprint things for presentations, like helping set up presentations and mm -hmm. stuff. How come you did that? Because it was a job and a, a, you a friend of mine. Do that? Yeah, kind of. I just sort of did it. Uh -huh. I wasn't, they were not great. But I did it. <laughs> and I used to always draw me and my dog into things, which was annoying to people who worked there. Um, but again, not great. I can draw a lot, but mm. not well. But I draw constantly. Mm. Um, is it a doodling thing that takes your mind off of things? Nope. Are you it a doodler? Is, no. I draw. It's sort of a conscious, like, I have an idea and I want to pursue it. Uh -huh. I'm actually not a doodler. I doodle, but it's really me just... I have an idea that I want to draw that maybe later I'll make into a painting or something. I use, I remember, clearly remember thinking, I have to stop doodling. I remember the moment that I stopped doodling in class. Oh, really? Because I was thinking, it's such an interesting thing, because I remember thinking, this is taking me away from listening. That's, so that's why I doodle, because I know that I have to not pay attention to what's being said, because I think I realized on this last job, um, I just wrote on a sitcom. Oh, and that, I do it uh, every day. It was the crazy ones. The crazy ones. It was on CBS, and it starred Robin Williams. Oh, right, Sarah Michelle right, right, and right. Schenkletter and yes, James Wolk, mm -hmm. Amanda Sutton, and um. <clears throat> anyway, so I'd never been in a network writers' room all day, before. Like I'd never, I'd worked as a writer for a long time, but never like in a writers' room all day. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, everyone doodles, and then so I started doodling, and I realized it's because it made me pay attention more in spurts, which I think is more useful than like a low hum throughout the day. Got it. So then I, you know, I would doodle and then I would sort of really focus and then I would doodle and then I would focus. Did the show go off the air or you don't know It's, you uh, it finished its 22 episode commitment and then, um, I don't, it doesn't look good. I mean, it's not, it hasn't been like canceled, but it's canceled. Who put that together? I was reading about that show. It was, I had an interesting background. There was a, so I used to work as a copywriter and then as a freelance, freelance copywriter in advertising and it was a guy who was a partner at Leo Burnett, where I worked as a temp and then did in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah, because Richard Label, you know the label, right? Yeah. Richard Label knows the guy, 
all, a lot of our friends know him. He's yeah. very involved in the Chicago improv world. Mm-hmm. He's really good friends with Pesquazy. Right. He's really good friends What's with, his name? Uh, his name is John Montgomery. Mm-hmm. But when I worked at Burnett, like he just seemed like, you know, when there's like, you see like partners names on memos, like you don't think mm-hmm. they're a real person. Right. <laughs> and then you meet him and he couldn't be like more of a real person. But he did this pilot as sort of a, just like a, he put money together and he just made this pilot. You know, in, in Chicago, especially people would say like, I'm making a pilot and I'm going to sell that pilot to Hollywood. And you just kind of go, okay. You're real. Oh, all right. Oh, what nice. a great idea. That's not yeah. how it works. And it kind of isn't at all how it works. And there's no reason the crazy ones should ever have snowballed into existing. Right. But he made this pilot. It has a lot of our friends in it. Joey Slotnick is in it. Yes. Pesquazy, TJ Jagodowski has great people in it. And then in um, the pilot, in the pilot it's called uh-huh. Bite and Smile, and it's about advertising. And then uh, he somehow got it into this manager's hands, who got it into another manager's hands, who this and this is over the course of like six years, got it to David E. Kelly. David That's E. Kelly right. bought it, for, optioned it or something. Got involved with John. Wanted to make it a drama. Couldn't figure out how to make it a drama. David E. Kelly, like, lives up north from what I've heard, like, next to Robin Williams. Robin Williams got involved. He had been wanting to get back into television. Um, So then they made it a half-hour comedy. David wrote a comedy. It didn't go... He wrote a half-hour comedy, but he doesn't write comedy. Mm -hmm. So then a a guy, this great writer, Dean Laurie, from Arrested Development, came in and, like, rewrote the pilot and then david e. kelly rewrote dean's and then dean rewrote david's and that went back and forth and back and forth wow. then they made this pilot they got sarah michelle geller and they sold it to cbs and none of the people that we know are involved in, right. except for john montgomery but the end one of the end jason weiner yes. has directed the pilot yes um what his career is huge and awesome yeah he you you know what's funny is i worked with he was on the blame game he was right one of i the remember talent. that and uh he's so good He's you so know, good. he's one of those things where one of those lessons I've learned where, you know, how, um, you'll think like, wow, how did that person get to that level? I always talk about John Favreau. And you know what? Because he's great. Right. Exactly. Same you know thing. how Jason Weiner got there? He is really talented. Right. And so, you you can't look at somebody and say, well, it's that thing about I you know I wrote this part. I live in I live in uh where does the label live? I always get it wrong. Oh, Waukegan okay. or Will Matter. Oh my gosh, like Waukegan. Walking in Womack. He's gonna, I'm going to hear about it. Oh, right no, now. really? I'm clearly going to fucking hear about it. But, ah. you know, living up there and you go like, yeah, sure, you're going to do that. But you look at Jason Weiner, you go, all right. And then he kept doing things and then kept doing things. He's a go-getter. <sighs> he's he's the most charming person in the world in a very sincere way. Right. Like he really is thoroughly charming. He's really good at dealing with a lot of difficult personalities mm-hmm. and just sort of like, you know, quietly take taking his own counsel and then saying like, what does he mean taking his own counsel? Well, like you see him sort of like uh, there were a lot of big personalities on that show. Right. And you'd see these meetings where there's just like things being said all over the place. And you, and then he would just sort of just be really quiet and mm-hmm. kind of nodding and sort of taking it in. And you could see him like forming what he thought would be the best route and sort of like listening to his own advice. Kind of like, that's what I mean. Like in his head, he was like, well, what if, well, you know, this should happen. And, that. and then he would just sort of wait until everybody, there was a moment to say something like he would never get in the fray and be loud. So and then he would just quietly say, okay, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. And you would see him just sort of make a really like wise move. He directed uh, one of my episodes that I wrote on, and, on, on, on the crazy ones. Right. I wrote two episodes. He, he uh, mm-hmm. directed one of them and it was just really great. I know we need fresh air. Yeah. Fresh air. Fresh air. 
Um, this is fresh air. Fresh air. Before crap Under our tree. Asking. We're back under Fair our tree. tree. Um, I love people who are, who are confident. I love someone who's But wise also. I feel like wisdom is something that is overrated, is underrated. underrated. Right. Well, what is wisdom? I mean, if you look at it, like really, what what is what is wisdom? Uh, I I feel like, isn't wisdom just a calmness? And I don't, how do you get wisdom? Are you born with born with wisdom? You know what I mean? I think it's the ability to sort of step back and objectively take in a situation and make the choice that's best for that situation without being influenced by emotions slash passions slash personal agendas. Oof. And for some people, that is so fucking hard to do. Yeah. And here's what I think is super helpful. Not and just regular it. helpful? Nope. Better than regular helpful. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Super helpful. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Everybody I know who's a big meditation freak mm -hmm. is always seems wise. I think it's the sort of making yourself ground, ground yourself, grounding yourself mm -hmm. is helpful. Right. Do you do that? I've started. I've you've, done it on and off for years. You've started meditating. I've started meditating. Mm -hmm. Did somebody turn you on to it or? No, I'm just... just so, I need to change things in my life that I was like, I'm grasping at straws. I don't have a, a very addictive personality. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Wait, um, weren't you a smoker? Uh, yeah, but even then, never. Yeah, like, I know. I'm just saying. No, I no, for remember. years and years. Yeah, I'm remember. a moderate person. I still smoke sometimes. I love it, mm -hmm. but I'm not addictive. Right. I would say I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. I've known you for over three years. I'm not going to date it. Three years? Yeah, I'm not going to move read you. <laughs> um, and I have seen Laura Croft become more uh, of a. Uh, it's not level, but it's. You seem focused and you seem more grounded than I've ever seen you before. Really? Yeah. Huh. There's a calmness, but maybe that comes with age. Three God years different. You know what I mean? Well, you know what's kind of funny is, uh, I mean, it's funny because everybody, age comes up so often in LA and maybe the world, but I live in LA, so that's the part I know the best of the world. And it comes up and it's, it really kind of kills me that you can't just be sort of braggy about your age mm -hmm. because you do learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I also don't have a family, you know, I don't have kids or anything. Right. And um, that kind of gives me, I think like the 10,000 yard, like fly above objective. Sure. I don't either. And take I don't, on right. a lot of things. Because, because in that way, are you saying in that way, you're not connected to anything that's aging you, like not, you oh, know what I mean? Aging you, but, but nothing that helps you count the numbers. It's interesting. I feel like the numbers still get counted, but people who have kids think that you're because you're single that you're still like a teenager, and that don't or you that you still that go way? out. No, I feel you like don't. I'm exactly my age. Uh -huh. I I kind of want to do the same things they want to do, except that I don't have kids. I don't mean to say that you're still a teenager. I think what I mean to say is there's a footloose and fancy freeness that I could just go and leave and then come back. I've never felt that. But, I've never felt remotely footloose and fancy free. But you're yeah yeah I see that I can see that. I don't have it in me. I'm too like much of a warrior and a planner and a contingency person. And... Mm -hmm. A producer. And when there's silence, you want everybody to, you want to fill it in to say, what are people asking? What do I perceive people are asking right, right now that yeah. I can help with? Exactly. And you know, what's funny is this last job, I was a writer on it. And before the previous year I'd been producing things, mm -hmm. it was so hard just to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And I remember my agent sort of checking in with me after the job started and saying, what do you think? How, how's it going? And me just saying, like, it is really hard just to be a writer and just sit in the room and not. Because I always feel like I know the better way to do things. Like, if you guys, if you just do this, then it's faster. Got it. We get, you know, like Got that it. drives me crazy. But I just have to. 
can you just, why did you take a writing job if, because you wanted work? I've always wanted to, I, I, one of the reasons I was happy to leave Colbert is because I wanted to get into narrative structure. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I like storytelling. I like, I don't quite know how I got into sort of late night, you know, the Colbert thing, the Colbert world where you write pages of jokes and stuff. That's never been, I mean, I can do it, but I've never, it's never been the thing I've been drawn to. I really you like. You were there for what, what, four years, five years? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Three years. But I stayed in New York for like another year. Um, did you back. work in New York or did you just stay in New York? I worked in New York. I did all sorts of like weird little things. I helped work on a book. I did like um, little tiny things for like Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote little things for the New York Post. I just sort of did, I wrote, uh, I did a lot of performing. I played a lot of music. Who did you perform? Uh, with whom did you perform? I just did tons of like stage shows. I did a lot of like stand up and improv. Oh, okay. And, um, oh, right, right. Who did you who did you improvise with? Everybody, all of our friends. Right. Um, all the people at like Magnet, and then I would perform at um, UCB. I did a uh -huh. show called Let's Have a Ball that was really fun mm -hmm. with like Tammy Sager and Scott Adsit and Christina Gaussis. Right. Rebecca Drysdale, Anthony King. Um, oh, oh, she's so. Oh, she is. So she's on it. I gotta talk to her. Too. She is, just like the most ridiculously, hilariously like driven. She's so unique. Right. And uh, I always like talk laugh with her that I'll she'll say like you know what did you do today and I'll think like oh I got up I wrote for a little bit and whatever, and I'll say what do you do what did you do and she's like oh I went home played with my dogs made dinner. Uh, constructed a theater in our backyard um you know and so it's always like this like made of I, I think she's engaged she is she's getting married in yeah, october I, I was uh her brother so i know her from chicago when she worked in the box office mm -hmm. or t-shirt stand and then her brother uh i didn't realize they were related because i don't think i knew becky's last name okay but he was my office mate at colbert and he's a really good friend. He's like one of my dearest. You friends did not show. know that they were related. I put it together in New York, but, uh -huh. but I didn't. When I met him, it didn't occur to me that the guy. Right. I was, you know. Is it crazy also that you're, you're, you're in this, you're in this industry, and your brother is in an industry that fit a Venn diagram uh, that, that that there's crossover between that, and then you got Becky Drysdale and her brother, and you've got Rachel Dratch and Dan Dratch. Yeah. Like all these people that we know. Yeah. Who who have that connection there? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I, I'm one of seven. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that any of my siblings and I are even remotely similar. Like my brother and I'm I. I'm talking are about not, the industry, just in, in oh. just in just in what it is that you're doing. Yeah. But I don't really think of journalism and and TV. Okay. I'm it, just talking about they're all on TV. Yeah, he not That's there true. all, but all, all those people are working yeah. in TV or they're working in, in a connection with that. Any other Rosowski's in uh, the theater, acting, TV? My TV, brother is a theater? piano player, and my brother is an artist. And uh, wow, you guys are artsy. Yeah, we're artsy. And my sister is a, an event planner. Uh, That's artsy. And, yeah, it is because she. I mean, she. She's like you. She's like if there's silence, she'll say. Okay. Is someone going to pick those do. up? Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's how. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I'm rolling these windows down. You we'll know what's kind of funny, sure. too, is I'm the sixth out of the seven kids. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, I just was quiet. Like, I didn't really talk a lot growing up. And mm -hmm. my family can't believe that I turned into who I turned into because I didn't really ever. I was just very quiet. Mm -hmm. And um, And my older siblings would sort of move away. And then they would come home. And all of a sudden, we were all together. I was like maybe my mid twenties or something. And it was like the seven kids and a lot of my family time I think of is just me 
with like my shoes and coat on because we take our, off our shoes on our, in the house. So if you have your shoes on, do, it's like by the front door. Now? I do. I, I don't. I would never that. tell guests to do it, but I always do it. I tell guests to do it. I don't. I just got new carpeting yeah. throughout my house, and it's a game changer. It's a game changer, but I just there's something about making grownups take off their shoes. I get Unless it. It's I like get that too. Through sleet or some mud. Right. Slides or something. Mudslides. Mudslides. Oh, mudslides. What a way to go. And then they can't send recovery systems in. Why not? Because they said the mud was like quicksand. Quick, yeah, like quicksand. Right. And then there was some kind of flooding today that they said was helpful. And I was like, is it helpful if you're stuck in the mud? How is that helpful? Well, if you're stuck in the mud, you're in the mud. You're buried. You're dead. You're gone. God. What a weird way to go. It's such a thing. What a weird way to go. And I keep thinking about horrible ways that people go. Oh, people go in horrible ways. Oh. Do you know anybody who went in a horrible way? Yeah, there's all sorts of people I know who went in horrible ways. I know one person who went at the height of orgasm. He had Me a brain too. aneurysm. Oh, I know somebody who did autoerotica. Oh. I know several people who died of autoerotica. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And would you go, oh, well, yeah, right. Yeah, of course. They're the small town way. where I used to spend the summers, there was a guy who did autoerotica. And then, like in high school, like the football captain. Then they did like a seminar. This is what it is. Don't do this. And then <gasps> two other guys did it. All guys. Yeah, always. Not always, but it seems like much more of a guy thing than I, I can't imagine. What? No. Really? I really no, I can't imagine. I can't, oh, imagine, can't imagine a woman did. doing that. I can imagine. I a mean guy there doing must that. be women who do it, but it just yeah. seems much more like a guy. Yeah, yeah, a guy way to go. Yeah. A guy way to go. It's a total guy. Do well, we know anybody together who do, do we know share anybody who who had a, a weird sort of that? Like Second City, there must be like a thousand crazy deaths. But most of the crazy deaths there's things like drowning in your own blood because you you've overdosed. Yeah, I mean, all that was like before me. Like right. my, I feel like my era of comedy was like people drank a lot, but there weren't right. a lot of drugs that I saw. I know the annoyance there were a lot of drugs, and I years ago, like my first exposure to the annoyance. But I've always been the kind of person who hangs out with a lot of drug people. Mm-hmm. I've never really done any drugs. You don't smoke hot? No, mm-hmm. I don't do anything. You drink? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I don't, I don't. I'm obviously too controlling to enjoy drugs. Got it. I, I every year I'm like, this is the year I do mushrooms. Every year. And I'm going to do mushrooms at some point. I'm going to drop acid. And I would like to try heroin. but I, Or cocaine, too. I want to do cocaine. Uh-huh. I've done just like um, I think cough cocaine medicine would... when I have a cough, and that's about it. I think, I think if I was going to say what you should start with of mushrooms, all those choices, right? I would say cocaine. Really? Yeah, I would say start oh, with cocaine. Everyone tells me that I would love mushrooms. Mushrooms would be good, too. You know what? Just from the very thing, that, like the controlling thing, mushrooms would be good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess mm, mushrooms is going to be, it's going to rock your world. Really? It's going to rock your world because you, you suddenly sit back and you start noticing stuff that you never noticed before. Oh my gosh. And, and so you're seeing things. It is one of the most mindful drugs that you can be because you're just going to sit there and suddenly all this stuff comes at you and you're just looking at it thinking, oh my God, somebody made, somebody put, chose that font that says climate. I'm already like. Right. Oh, you are? <laughs> yeah. Then you'll love like, it. Like, Fall what in. was this meeting like that came up with display panels? <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> Who what doodled I, in that meeting? What I was, ended up with about, this I was talking about uh, being John Malkovich the other day. Oh, and I was good. thinking, how did that get made? Like, really, how did that get made? So here's the idea. You go to this elevator or no, it's a, like something happens. You go to a regular place and then you end up dumped on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know what that is? That's like one of those things where the studio is just like, I don't get it, just go. Like somebody was 
so charismatic in some meeting that everyone, I feel like that's how Hollywood things are made or not made, Uh is charisma. Like girls, that TV show is on the air because Lena Dunham, for whatever reason, is considered so charismatic that people are like, all right. Right. And then this show goes and you're like, what is happening on that show? Did you feel this way? And if you don't feel... But being John Malkovich, like Charlie Kaufman's like... Oh, exactly. Kind of like a quiet guy. And then you're like, Spike Jones, right? Yeah. Must be just Spike Jones being so charismatic. But it's also Wes Anderson. He's another one it's, with oh, you yeah. know one, another one of those guys where you go, what's happening in this movie right now? How gorgeous are his movies? I haven't seen the newest movie yet. Neither have I. But the Royal Tenenbaums, I mean, as somebody who's like an avid New Yorker mm-hmm. reader, right. lover of the aesthetic of like so many of those different cartoonists, huge cartoon fan, um, you know, I just, I just appeal to me on every level. Right. And it's so gorgeous. And I feel like, again, it's like somebody just, you ha- somebody gave him the money for that. Right. Somebody, he was that charismatic in a meeting that Weinstein, Weinstein or whomever yeah. was like, okay, I don't even know who just, who did what movie. No, 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 no. But, neither do I. But I'm, I'm thinking about that other, that other movie that he did with, um, um, with Bill Murray and. Rushmore? No, just recently with Bill Murray and, uh, um, oh, Jesus. Was was Angelica Houston in that movie? And husband and wife and... Oh, I can't. It was the last Wes Anderson movie. It was the last Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. And it was another one. With the kids, they were, they were, they were, there was an adventure. And... Oh, the, uh, the one about the camp? Yes. That was so beautiful. I love so that. So beautiful. So many of my friends didn't like that movie. And I loved it. Did you like the one... How great was the Fantastic Mr. Fox? Oh, my God, right? I could well, watch you know that. What? I could watch that all the time. I can't... Do you remember that somebody somebody wrote an article about, and it was probably before, well, no, I don't think it was before your time, at Second City, somebody wrote a Chicago Chicago Magazine article about um, uh, about Dave Pesquese. And they said, and the article said, I would pay to watch him eat lunch. And that's the way I feel about George Clooney. Yeah, he's just so charming that you'll even be taken in by his voice. I would take, exactly. Anything that he does where he, it's like, if he says, I'm going to tell you right now about your car. And I'm going to go, really? But you didn't like that movie you just got taken in by the George Clooney? No, I loved it. I'm just saying like all his casting in it. And I know I'm just, when I think about it. You know what? I don't buy him. You never buy him? I do about 50%. But, and in fact, I think partly it's because I don't like his, all of his directing choice. I feel like his directing. What he's directed or? Yeah, made me like him less. What what did he direct? Uh, what's that movie? Oh, oh, good night, and everybody says hello to you yeah, now. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a one time there was a really pretty day, and everyone said good morning to each other as they passed them on the sidewalk, and then everyone waved a polite goodbye. But what happened to the bows and curtsies? I said to myself as I walked away. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> what? What just happened? Like you threw up the title. Was that the right? Was that the right title? Was that close? <laughs> right. You just vomited up the greatest title of any movie ever. <laughs> Oh my god! It's very very tiny print on the movie poster. (laughs) Um, I don't. uh, uh, But I think he's only done one movie. I think he's done two, maybe three. And you really hold a lot, like what the fuck? So I'm not going to like anything you've done. No, no, it's not that. It's just it made me less of like everything you do is magic. It made me more like. You're a human. You know what? I like I like his acting. I like his style. I like his charm. I like the fact that he's alive in this world. I like his acting and his charm. Here's the other thing that I used to, and this is, again, I'm not proud of myself for this, but he, he's George Clooney. Now he's finally dating his human rights attorney, you know, but before that he was dating like ex-wrestlers and cocktail waitresses. Like, if you're George Clooney, you should be dating like the James Bond women who are like 
scientists who look like models. They are out there, and you're the only person who really has any access to anybody in the world. And he, he dated this cocktail waitress in the Palms. Mm-hmm, right. And then I worked on a show right before Colbert called Party at the Palms, hosted by Jenny McCarthy. It was mm-hmm. for E. And I had to go work at the Palms Casino. And I don't like Las Vegas. And I don't like gambling. I don't like any. That's not my people. And I just was like, this is such a horrible, manipulative place. And these knuckleheads coming in, like losing their money. And see people whose like lives were just completely destroyed by playing some stupid. I just don't. I don't get that whole world at all. Anyway, I was like. That's where you go and you wait. But why should that matter to you when it comes to what the final product is on, on the screen? I don't know. I, and, you know, I think a lot of people feel that same way. And I, and I also feel like, I, are people looking at... is multitasking. I know, right? And the kid's multitasking too. Just Everybody is doing a thousand things. What is that that she has? Oh, that's sort of, she has a baguette. It's sort of the French version of, um, it's it's... It's the fre- it's the American French version of that one. And she's even holding a baby in her belly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's digesting food. Either that, or she's like half Irish, half boa constrictor. <laughs> she's like, it was delicious. I'll be thinking about it for days. <laughs> half Irish, half boa constrictor. There are certain sentences that come out of people's mouths, and I'm always very mindful of the things that they say. I'm going to say that sentence. I, <gasps> I, I will say, undoubtedly, that sentence has never been said before. Really? And she's half Irish, half boa constrictor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to get back to the thing about oh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. I know I, I feel, I feel terrible. Like, but... No, 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 don't feel terrible because for me, I feel like if somebody looks at me and the the people that I date, and they go, "Oh, Dave, you know, Dave is us," because I have had people say, "Really, why are you dating her?" About people you're dating? Yeah, that's a horrible thing to say to you. Well, these people think that they're my friends, <laughs> um, and so I'm going because I am because that's what I'm doing. What, if I'm what's making... wrong with her? She's a Palm's casino waitress. No, I mean, it might be age. She's a lot younger than I am or whatever it's going to be, like that sort of thing. But it, but if you and I are having a conversation and you don't know any of this stuff about me, you're going to take me for what I am right now. And because everybody's got history that they're embarrassed about or everybody's got things that isn't any of your business. Hold for FedEx truck. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, here's the thing that I think is interesting about that thing I just said about George Clooney. I guess it's because I... Okay, because here's the flip of that. Ted Kennedy killed somebody. Right. Right? If I had lived in Massachusetts, I still would have voted for him because if I was one of his constituents, I agreed with the things he voted on and would have gotten right. through for me right. as a politician. So shouldn't I, can I have both sides of that coin? Can I judge George Clooney for dating a, a waitress? Right. And then agree to not judge Ted Kennedy, who was like probably a rapist. From all accounts, remember that? Yeah, 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 right. You know, it right. was like famous for like sort of sneaking girl. Like he was. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. That whole all the Kennedys. All the Kennedys and that William Kennedy Smith trial. Yeah, and, all the Kennedys. And then, but I still would have voted for him because he would have gotten my needs met. Right. So George Clooney, because maybe maybe it's just because it's just my entertainment needs versus my political needs or something. Well, do you, take, do you like jazz music? Eh. Okay, fine. Uh, a lot. No, of... you know what? I don't think I do. Okay, fine. You can. You can not. That's okay. all right. I'm just looking at um, Miles Davis, okay. who's just an amazing. Was just an amazing artist. He was a real fuckhead. He was a, a lot real of people asshole. are. This brings up that old Woody Allen thing. Right. Everyone right. keeps bringing up everyone who's been a horrible murderer, rapist, abuser of women, whatever. 
Um, and they keep going, well, you like this guy or this woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, she threw kids out the window and you like her paintings or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is sort of like. <laughs> she threw kids out the window. She threw kids. She regularly threw kids out the window. Right. I mean, do not let her near your kids. She'll throw them out a window. And you love her paintings. <laughs> I love you listen to her that, symphonies. That there's a woman who's, who's around that is like looking at children and, and going. I wonder if I go Can upstairs. that one fly? What if I go upstairs <laughs> with her? I... Can that one fly? Can that one fly? She's always very optimistic when she throws them at the window. <laughs> this is the one. This is the one. This is the one. This, this is the one that changes genetics forever. This is Darwin at its finest. Exactly. This is the one. Oh, she's going to be and so happy. And if one flies, then she's like the next one. And she's like, can this one breathe underwater? She right. just keeps going through all of them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, and but, and there's another thing where you don't. She's you a never, terrible nanny. I love the idea of looking at somebody and wondering what their peccadilloes are. What oh, what yeah. is it that they? Because everybody's got their little uh, thing. Yep. And whenever you, whenever you, uh, whenever I date someone new and have sex with them for the first time, you go, what? What? That's gonna the be? weirdest thing about dating for eternity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just like wow, everyone smells different. Everyone, you know. Right. You know what's funny though is I find as I get older. Like all those little things I find sort of interesting, but there's other certain things I'm just like, oh, tell me about your prom. Like, I don't, I don't care about people's teenage years. I don't care about, I just get, I mean, I, they're very interesting to people. I'm just over it. Right. Right. Oh, no, how interesting. Yeah. There's a prom and someone oh, took your car. Or what you, oh, I dated a woman who her family had a song for every child. And it was, and she insisted on singing it for me. And I thought, right at the beginning of the relationship, when I thought, oh, this is. And you kept dating her? Uh, there were 49 kids in that family. <laughs> Have you met Susan? <laughs> Susan is a buffalo, a buffalo. Ew, a buffalo. was it like that? It was that kind of a song. It was like, uh. What so some it? parents, so that's the thing, you get older. Like yesterday, I told you I made those cakes with that little girl. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people are always like, you're great with kids. And I don't like all kids. I don't like mm-hmm. all people. Right. Kids are just tiny people. I like a lot of kids. And I like a lot of people. But right. I tend to like people more than I dislike them. But anyway, I you find yourself sort of talking in this like ridiculous way sometimes with kids. But I always like, check myself to make sure I don't. But I see like my siblings. Because I have 22 nieces and nephews. And I'll see like people sort of talk to kids in a way that just sort of fills up the air. And it's something like Susan is a buff, like a silly nothing thing. And then you have to listen to it 20 years later. Some Something where some parent was just like, I don't give a shit. I'm driving to the post office. I have a million screaming kids in the back. And now then it, that translates to years later, you having to be like, Susan is a buffalo. Like that parent didn't think that out. I know, right? That parent right. was just trying to just tune Shut, the kids out exactly. and probably fantasize about banging the neighbor or whatever. Right. Right, and it is that thing where you go, oh, this is an, this is going to echo in a horrible fucking way for somebody. Yeah, and I kind of think about that every time I hang out with kids. Like, you know, I think about what do they think of me? Because, and what memory, judging from the memories I've formed from people, like what memory are they forming from me? Right. And this little girl yesterday said, your car smells like you and so does your house. And I was like, what does that mean? That is, and that's what somebody once said to me, and we're in a car, and my friend Maury Smith once said to me, we pulled into a gas station. I was 17. We pulled into a gas station. I might have told this story before. We pulled into a gas station, <coughs> and, it, and I said, um, I'm going to get some gas. I'm going to clean the, win- the windows. And he said, David Rosowski always has to have clean windows. I do not pull into a gas station, right? I do not pull into a gas station where that does not haunt me. Yeah. What Now, what is that about? That's I don't tr- know. I have those with things. Someone in junior high told me I'd have a buffalo butt. I've always thought I had a huge butt since then. 
I don't have a huge butt. It's just a normal size butt. It's not crazy small. It's not crazy big. It's I think it's right. pretty much it looks like my back ends and my legs begin. Like that is my butt <laughs> with some padding, <laughs> with some padding, and it's split in the middle, and like that's about it. Or uh, you know, someone else came up and like um, this is pretty funny. They pinged my earlobes in junior high and they said your earlobes are so big and my family all has like really big earlobes mm-hmm. but I went to a, a doctor not so long ago and they were sort of talking about uh, you know he was just talking about different things that you can tell when you're getting old you know things that, you know like your eyesight and all that sort of thing and he said and one of the things and you know like uh, like your earlobes get really big and <laughs> so, then he looked at my earlobes and I was like these have been big since I was little someone in junior high told me that they were really big like that forever I will be thought of as Can you imagine what your earlobes are gonna look like? Oh my god. Well I, yes, my my grandmother's my mutties. Oh. I looked I look a lot like her and uh-huh. I kind of look just like my dad and just like my grandmother. Uh-huh. And they're gonna be huge. They're gonna like go down in half my neck. You could do you could like move just, to Africa and put those plates in your in your earlobes. I won't even have to put them I'll just gently lean them into my ears and they will fit just fine. <laughs> There'll be no nothing just I'll just put them and they'll just get sucked in because my earlobes are so big. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the dating thing about getting new, like really uh, discovering all those things, and then meeting family. Toenails. And family. Ugh. Meeting family. Toenails. Yeah. That's like the final thing you don't really see about people. You see it with girls. But with guys, you don't really see it. A lot of guys, like, don't clip their toenails. I know. Why is that? I, I don't know. Because it's not, because you forget. And they always have, a, there's like, I would say like three out of five guys has some toenail fungus situation going on. They always go, I don't know, I've, I got a fungus. And you're like, who are you? I've never had a toe fungus my entire life. My, and I, my I ex-wife a had toe fungus. Ew. She had toe fungus. How does that happen? I don't know. It just happened. Is that she why you guys it. split up? Yeah, we did. It was we over. did. She got it. And She's she a very tell nice me. lady, but the toe fungus. She got it and she wouldn't tell me how. And that's what pissed me off. Really? It wasn't that she had it. She just it. left it a just, little note. It's like, today? Is today the day you're going to tell me? My darling, I could not take it any longer. Exactly. Where did you get the fucking toe fungus? And sure enough. As soon as we broke up, she dated someone and told him. He knows. Yeah. And he won't tell me. Nope. So Are I'm you, not dating him. Do you still talk to her? Uh, we used to talk when we had joint custody of the dog. And then she moved to Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. And she opened up a... Um, <laughs> it's so far away. My God. Well, her, her sister lives there. Mm. Um, but we do talk and periodically I'll see something on... on uh, online or i'll read something and i'll say i thought about you and she goes oh, i thought about you too which is just so warm and lovely yeah um it's nice well yeah i miss her yeah i had an interesting thing like i i would say i'm friends with like one x out of eighty thousand. right i unless you have kids it's hard to stay have something some reason to stay in contact i am friends with most of my exes that's great it's great as long as you were not dating and you have trouble with her, which is what happened with another girl from another girl wide book. As life. long as you're not dating, you and I are. If you and I, I can't hear. Um, if you and I are dating and you know I'm friends with my ex, yeah, and she's my ex. Yeah, get over it. Cause she's gonna be my friend. Oh, I see. The person you're, she was d- you're currently dating. Not currently, but right. But she was like, "Why is your ex? Why is this happening?" And her name was Laura. I've dated four Lauras. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever dated a David. I have happen. a brother and a nephew named David, though. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, are you, David. are any, are, uh, are you the only, uh, do you have siblings who don't have children? Nope. I think I'm the only person besides you in the entire world without children. Uh, my no, entire you're not. World. My brother doesn't have children, my sister doesn't have children. God, I'm so jealous of families like that. 
it would be great. Everyone in my family is married with kids. And uh, I think because of that, it's interesting because if you don't have kids, people treat you like you're a teenager. Uh-huh, right, going back to that. Yeah, like, like they put you like on a couch or you sleep on the bunk bed or right. something as though you're not your own, your age. Right. Because you don't have kids. But just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you're not your age. Right. You know, like somebody one not so long ago said, it must be so great to be single because you don't have to save money. You don't have to worry that about that. And I was like, I'm not a, I still have to, I don't live at home in my parents' garage. I still have to save money and worry about, right. you know, I don't know. Right. Like it's a very different set of concerns. But do you like, do you like this? Do you like the single life? No, I hate it. Do you like it? Sometimes. Ugh, I, I, I travel so much, Laura. I just travel so much. Oh, you much. too? Where do you travel to? Oh, I travel all, I just, I was just in, uh, this month I've been in New York, San Francisco. Uh, I just came back from Denver yesterday. Oh, nice. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going what are you back. doing? I'm going to Chicago. I travel around the world teaching Improv? theatrical improvisation. Is that really? That's, that's my, that's my living. No way. So I don't audition here anymore. I don't, you don't at all? No, I don't. I don't audition. But if people bring you in for a part, you'll do it. Yes. Um, uh, Dorian, uh, uh, Dorian Frankel. Dorian, she, she does, um, she did The Office and she's a casting director. Okay. Um, but she brought me in and I thought, oh, okay, I can do that. And she brought me in and it was really great. I saw if I daughter. brought you in for something and they made me audition you, would you come in? Of course. Okay. Of course I would do that. But it's not, I, that's not my focus anymore. Right. And it's so freeing because oh, I'm yeah. doing what I'm doing. I'm doing what I love doing right now. Yep. And so when I see people who are saying, oh, I really want to do this or I want to do that, I think, well, then do it. I always think about that. Like uh, on this last job, there was an actress on the show who was a real, real, like <clears throat> not nice lady. I didn't find her to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's been acting since she was a kid. Jessica Tandy. It was Jessica Tandy. Fuck so, that. I mean, for 80 years she's been acting. And then dead and still acting. And uh, and still a bitch. And still very like. Still a bitch. She died. Why like- am I here if I only have one line? You know, that's just so Jessica Tandy. <laughs> how many, how much, I, will you let me know when the lights are ready and then I'll come out and do my line? That you've only given me one line? Like this woman was Was this really like, that lady? She this woman was like that, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I remember just thinking like, do something else. This is obviously part of how doing a TV show works. Right. The lights take a second to do. People have to confer. This is, you've been on set since you were three. What do you expect the set to be like? Right. Do you actually expect it to be like this magical place mm-hmm. where you'll walk out and everything will be perfect and you'll have the perfect amount of lines and you'll be, com- everybody else will be completely perfectly off book. Like, is that how you imagine it? Because it's never going to happen. Right. Therefore, go into something else. Be the yoga teacher you obviously want to be or... Whatever dream scenario, other job you think exists. It's so interesting because the word that you kept saying was expect. What do you expect? What do you expect? And it's that fucking expectation thing that I think throws everybody off. Now, when you moved out here, did you have expectations? Mm -mm. You didn't have any expectations. I didn't care. I've never cared about my career at all. That's why. Oh, that's so good. I have no, I don't care about, I mean, I went into comedy, but I didn't grow up like as a comedy person. Right. My expectations growing up was I don't. Ever, I never knew what I wanted to do, and I um, just thought I would be like a housewife like my mom. Uh-huh. I never, I moved out here because I had been dating somebody, and then we broke up, and then I started hooking up with again, him again, and I realized I was in love with him, and he was just hooking up with me, and so I left town. Mm-hmm. You left the town. Chicago, that you were, yeah, yeah. You left Chicago. Uh, and then, <laughs> and That's why I moved out well here. here. 
Yeah. And I, I drove out here with Scott Robinson. Mm-hmm. I was very, I'd never moved away from home. I never thought I would leave Chicago. Where did you, you, you grew up in Evanston. Uh, in Evanston. Mm-hmm. I went to college in Indiana and then mm-hmm. I went back to Chicago mm-hmm. and I just thought I would just stay in Chicago forever. And then um, that breakup and then sort of people were starting to move out to LA. And I remember thinking like, what do you do? Like, I didn't, I never thought I'd be in Second City. Right. I, I auditioned. I never thought I would get in. You know what? I, same thing with me. I ever. never, ever thought that I would get I in. I think because you're Rogers Park, right? Mm-hmm. I also like, I remember when Tina first moved to town, she was telling me Tina like, Faye. Tina Fey mm-hmm. was on my improv team and worked at the YMCA in Evanston. And That's a nice Y. Great Y, McGraw YMCA. Oh, and there were several times where we, you know, we hung out a lot. And I remember saying to her, why did you move here? Because she's from outside of Philadelphia. And she's like, for Second City. I was like, you moved here for Second City? Right, right. Like, I, that well, was not my world. It, well, I thought of Second City as a place where you brought sales teams if they met their quotas and you got like a cup that said, you know, Second City on it. Exactly. And I just thought of it as like a joke. No, I know. And But you, but look at the people that came, I, the people that I grew up with, Label, you know, oh, at yeah. Second City. But I never Nap- went Napier. to Second City, so I didn't know how great, funny it was. And I didn't appreciate, I mean, if I'd gone to a show, I would be blown I away. I remember going there and thinking, this is what somebody else does. Mm-hmm. This this is not what I do. This is what somebody yeah, else does. Me too. I never thought I would pursue a creative life. It never it never occurred to me that and, and I and and for me to become the artistic director of Second City in L.A. for nine years. And Are go, you that now? No, I was oh. that. I was that I, for I, nine years wow. uh, until about four or five years ago, and then I wow. left, and that's when I said, "I'm going to travel around the country," and then that's what I do. Yeah. The other day, I woke up and I said, "I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to work in Hawaii." In Hawaii? I'm going to work in Hawaii. And then that evening, I had a gig on Maui and a gig on Oahu. Wow. That's amazing. But it's that thing of what do you want to do? What is it that you want to do? And yeah. I don't mean what do you want to do in the future. It's like that lady being the yoga instructor. Yeah, or like, whatever. she. Gives, right. Yeah. And the best thing that anybody can do to that woman is fire her. Well, and I CBS don't mean- ultimately fired all of us. And so hopefully <laughs> because of her, she'll move on. To- Thank you very well, much. She didn't, they didn't, it's funny because she's like a kind of famous actor. And- mm-hmm. I don't think she realized that, like, she left a swath of people from network to whomever just mm-hmm. kind of, like, shaking their heads, like, what the? Right. You can't, like, that's the other thing is people, there's the thing of what you expect, and then you know people are listening, like, people can hear you. Right. You know we can hear you. Yeah. Right I right. feel like that's another thing. Like, I never, I mean, I got, I was just talking to somebody about how I got into performing the other day, because I never was a performer. I did, like, something in high school with the guys who started Boom Chicago, mm-hmm. this thing called Yamo. And then in college, I didn't get into a sorority. And so I, um, I went to read blues records at the Bloomington Town Library. And there's a little sign saying audition for this improv group. So I did. And it was like everybody who auditioned got in. It was like six people. It was like a truck driver, a librarian, like these townies. It was like run by like this Wiccan white magic lady and who was androgynous. who didn't know what her sex was. And Brian Stack. <laughs> And then oh that's right. It was just theater games. We met like maybe oh 10 times and then we disbanded. I love that Brian and Brian Stack. My hair grew out. I later got into a sorority because I think I didn't get in because my hair was too short at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my hair grew out. I got into a sorority. They didn't know what I sex you were, what gender you were. They didn't know what I was. I insisted on wearing a cod piece and a skirt. They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Scott piece. <laughs> the Scott piece. And then like years after that, I was I graduated. I was working in a advertising and Brian Stack worked at a different agency in the same building. Right. Stack worked in... He worked for McCann Erickson and I worked right. for Grant Jacoby. Right. And we worked in the same building. We ran into each other in the elevator <gasps> and he came, he said, uh, come watch. He said, when he met me, my name was Spike. I had named myself Spike. Okay. And he was like, Spike, your hair grew out. Looks a lot better. You know, he has that octave top way of talking. 
hey, Spike, your hair grew out. It's a lot better. (laughs) But uh, he told me to come see his show. So I did. And I, again, it never occurred to me that I thought it was amazing. He did a show, I guess must have been Blue Velveeta maybe or something. And I owe in the basement of Papa Milano's. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. Right. Armitage and Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. I'd never seen long form before. I was completely blown away. What a great group. Oh my God. I mean, I don't even remember who was in it. I just remember the feeling, the visceral response of just like amazement. And, um, and then he told me to take, uh, he said, you probably won't get into second city now and you're not ready for improv Olympic. Go to players workshop. So I went through players workshop where I made friends with Fulcher and John Glazer. They were like two of my oldest comedy friends. And, um, and I had been feeling like this disconnection with, I worked in advertising and I lived in this apartment in Lincoln Park and I didn't like anyone in my life. Like I didn't feel comfortable with anyone. And I remember thinking there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then I took this class at Players Workshop and I realized I was just, I needed to be around people like that. Right. And I remember like feeling, I kept getting to be able to perform, but I didn't really feel comfortable performing. And I would get so scared. I would throw up all day before I went to perform. And, um, and I, my face would turn beet red oh. and I would just get so, it was, I, so panic attack. But you still went and did it. I just, I remember doing it because that was the only way I could hang out with people I liked. But not doing it because it was the natural impulse, but doing right. it because then I could be in the world I liked. Right. And it was so painful. Right. And uh, anyway, it's kind of weird. Well, it's, it's, it's also, it is an interesting way to get to meet people. <laughs> like, I mean, you be- get your stage legs and then you right. just start thinking, oh, nobody really cares. And, you know, if you're funny and you have a horrible night, people kind of forgive you because they know you're funny. Right. Whatever. If you just have a couple laughs. I don't ever get so- stage right. I still almost always do. You, I still get pretty anxious. Uh huh. But I just sort of talk my way through it. I think no one cares. I think the last time we played together was the Jews versus Christians at Bang. No, you did uh, Joel Murray. That's right. That's right. That's right. You should come and do that more often. I like that. You really. It would be so lovely if you came and did. It's just monthly. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to talk to him because I yeah. like all those people. I really like. We. I should have called you. The last show was like around St. Patrick's, so you were probably traveling. I was out of town. Uh, yeah, but it was kind of funny because Joel was in a parade in Chicago, so he wasn't yeah. there, and all these people kind of ended up not being able to show up. So it was me and Dorf, and Emo Phillips was doing the monologues, uh-huh. and Emo Phillips kept talking to Dorf and not looking at me at all. Right, and I was just like, "Oh, Emo Phillips," and he was actually really great mm-hmm. for these lovely monologues, but right. he wouldn't look at me like he's a he 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 is. Is um, he from like the? 15th century or something he where is women from the don't 15th talk? century he's from he yes he had a time machine it's part of his deal but he won't be on my podcast why because he doesn't want to let his guard down i said i want you to be my podcast and he said uh and he said not in an emo phillips way it was like well i didn't know I didn't. it was just emo saying i'd like to but i just can't yeah he speaks normally he speaks normally why does he do that weird voice then because that's what he does it's awful it and is his, awful when he speaks normally he his I, it makes when he speaks normally, like he did backstage, like, what do, what do I do on stage? What are you expecting right. from me? It was great. And I forgot, actually, because I hadn't seen him perform in a long time, right. that he then does that squeaky voice. Right. It's like Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. But when he, when you listen to what he's saying in the squeaky voice, he's actually really saying these amazing things. Like right. He did the most beautiful monologue. He, did this, he had these really interesting ideas about religion right. and um, pet ownership in really funny ways. He was great. But his voice is so like dis- disconcerting, and it's such a put on. Yeah, it's a put on. I guess Bobcat must do that too. Uh, yeah. Does he do that? I can't. I don't know remember. if he still does that, but I know. I, I, I know, think he maybe he doesn't. How could? 
Well, again, I go back to Gilbert Gottfried, who was on um, a Mark Maron's show, and I don't remember him talking like this and then talking like this. Is it just me with the ducks? Right. Was he doing that? That's pretty good, right? That was really good. I didn't know I could do it. I've never tried it before. <laughs> it was really good. Is the... it just me with the ducks flying in your faces? It's horrible. It's awful. And when did you when did you decide, I'm going to keep that? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep that. That's going to be my voice. I'm going to keep that. And that's what's going to happen. I, don't you, that you can apply that to almost every performer. And it's fascinating, right? When did people decide this is, somebody gave them positive reinforcement. Right. And they thought, okay, this is my thing. Right. I'm going to close my eyes and screech. And yeah. that's going to buy me a house with a pool. I'm going to be able to send kids to school. I'm going to be closing my eyes and screeching. Right. How the, how the hell did that work? And also emo, because I could see emo's thing coming out emo's of... Emo's thing? Right. I can't even do him. And it's like, oh. I went, why is it that I didn't want to go to the place? And he does the thing with his with arms. Mike, and I could see that as being somewhat of a... Um, it's not Tourette's, but it's it, it it seems like an Asperger sort of thing that he's doing. Remember there was like a phase, I don't know if you had left Chicago by then, where there was a bunch of girls who came from like really great schools who all started doing improv. And they were all smart as, you know, the smartest people you'd ever meet. And they all would get on stage and their voices would change to baby girl voices and they would all put their sleeves over their hands while they performed. There was like five of them. They came in a little flock and they were all like scientist geniuses and they'd all be like, hey, you're like, what are you doing? What's How did you get positive Yes, but as I'm saying it, I'm using okay, that one. But right. like what positive right. reinforcement, right. like I get, I actually get that more clearly because there's a thing with girls where I find it with, for me, like just dating wise or whatever, you really rein in your, what you're thinking so that guys can tell you how to park a car or you know, <laughs> whatever the fucking thing is. Like I'm, the number of times I've been in a car and a guy has told me how to park and I think, you know, motherfucker, I'll fucking, I was a valet at Popham. I, I can park anywhere, I, but you can't say. I can park in. Don't worry about it. But you just have to kind of be like, oh, and then what's it called? Parallel park? I'll try it. You know, you just have to. That's part of the biology of how we're set oh, up. Oh, it's so awful. You should just know that all women are always doing that because if they really weren't. They do it at least for a while. And it's so fucking hard for, to do. I hate it. I, I think it's a matter of, it seems to me like it's a matter of survival of the. No, but guys do it too. I find myself doing it where it's like, watch what you're going to say. Don't talk too much about ex-girlfriends. Don't talk too much about... You know. yeah, that to me seems like dating. But there's a oh, thing that I women see. do that's like a different thing where they sort of feign that they're not as smart as they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, a lot of it's because like comedy writer-wise, like guys are terrified of dating comedy writers. And they're terrified uh, of funny women. Got it. Dating-wise. Right. Because they want to be the funny one. Right. Because when all else fails, they can be the funny one in the relationship. Whereas right. I don't think... I don't care anyway. I don't really know any of my girlfriends who are funny women who care. They're like, right. I, I actually prefer someone just getting my humor or uh, me just feeling comfortable. Right. I don't care if I'm the funny. I don't want to be the funny person. And then, uh, and then also like, uh, if you are a comedy writer, there, I think there's a deep seated fear that men have that you'll write about them and perform about them on stage, and that seems to be like their worst wow. fear. Like wow. the number of times in a breakup, someone has said, "Please don't write about me," or, or "Please don't do a performance about me on stage," and I think. I, I don't do things about breakups. I don't, that's not even who I am or what I talk about. Like, obviously you've just internalized this in this whole kind of somewhat narcissistic and, and, way. And you know that he was thinking about this the entire yeah, time. Yes. 
that, that's happened like maybe five times. Where I've just five been like times. five times in breakups where they've been like, please, uh, please don't perform about this. And I think I don't even do that. I talk when I perform, I talk about like the grocery store. Like it's not even about I talk about like politics or the grocery store. Or, you know, at the the only person who might ever be talked about is maybe like my mom. It's like for me being little, it's not even right. And even it's not bad. But it's, it's are, weird. Are, do you date people that are in that are right? No, you don't date writers. No, I just date. You know, I don't care what. Just anything where do you that meet it's these like people. Uh, Various places, uh-huh. um, sometimes parties or right. stores, 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 uh, uh-huh. coffee shops, stores. Um, not, Never not online. Lot, I've not had good luck online. No. You know what's funny though is, uh, so online, uh, I just had a thing recently where a friend of mine helped me set up my profile, and uh, and I just, and she said you take two years off because then you won't be in this quota of people looking. So I did. Yeah. And I guess it's fairly standard. It's like guys. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. Anyway, but I was like, all right. And everything else is, but I keep going on dates with guys who went to my high school because my high school's so big that. They went to your high school, but not and, while you were going to high school. Well, they'll say, well, when did you graduate? And then I'll say it. And then they'll be like, but didn't you say? And you're like, yeah, there's a two year differential. Don't you know? About the on all internet, apparently. Because then I'm, I, in the search engine, Oh, so weird. Well, I, this is what happened to me. Uh, I started, they started putting me together with grandmas. Well, that's what, I mean, you want to date people who are like 10 or 15 years younger than you. And the guys who are 10 or 15 years older than me, I don't want to date. Right. I want to date people my age. Right. Maybe five years older. Well, I, it's not, it's not that. Yeah. I, I mean, look, guys, look at, look at me guys want to date. Ugh. No, no, that's a, it's a, something that I just see. That's why I think it's funny is people always go, well, maybe you'll. You know, there's people who are getting divorced. I'm like, they end up with people 15 years younger than them. That's like pretty standard, 10 or 15. Um, uh, the last, I have not And they're sort of proud someone. of themselves if someone's only 10 years younger. I got to tell you, there's a difference when you're dating somebody, when you're 54 or 55 and you're dating someone that's 30. Yeah. Like, you might get along, but there's, when you're 30, you're really excited about everything, which is great. Yeah. When you're 54, you're, you're probably. 54? I'm 54. You have no wrinkles. I, I don't know wow. why. Um, it's the Cetaphil that I used to wash my face. Oh, well, um, I use it too. It's great. Huh? I love it. Me too. It's not, and don't buy the cheap kind. No, it's not. It feels very gentle. It does feel very gentle. Um, and whenever somebody comes over to my house and I don't know that they know what it is, mm-hmm. I take the squirty bottle and put it away because I don't want them washing their hands with it. Is it's pricey. Bad? No, it's kind of pricey. It is really pricey. Yeah. It I is really, it. really pricey. So when I'm, when I'm 54, I, so for me, an exciting if I get excited, it's an exciting on the inside as opposed to somebody going, <laughs> I had a girlfriend that was just so everything was big and it's like, all right, okay. okay Is she an improviser too? No. Oh, that's Do you date improvisers? Most of the women I meet are my students. But it's not like, it's it more along the lines gross. of, what, what's that? It seems gross even though I know it's not. I know. I know. But I just, that's who that's I who meet. meet. Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's a lot of improvisers married to their students. When I can you name travel, like, five, yeah. like where when you travel around the country, that's who you meet. And when and here, and there's a woman that was in one of my classes, and I thought I could date her. And I thought I don't want to ruin our our relationship by dating you. But won't you stay friends with her after you break up? And in the interim, bang it out. You might yeah. get some bangage. <laughs> <laughs> but and to look at that, I go, I I can't. I don't. I like her as a student. Yeah. And I uh, a few. 
I like her as a student. Like as a kid. Twenty years younger than you, though. Tw I know, but Ugh. here's the thing. This is what I've learned. I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that anymore. That's why everybody gets really proud of themselves when they start dating girls 10, 15 years younger. They'll think she's only fifteen years younger. Right. And then they'll kind of look at you. Like I'm just. I have so many guys. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about guys dating. The number of guys, friends of mine, who date somebody who who uh, is like twenty years younger, and they always say, you know, she's like this age, but crafty. Honestly, she's really smart. I know. As I'm supposed to be proud of them for also going for the fact that they're smart. Right. Like I'm supposed to go, oh, that's great. Right. Which I'm, I don't care. Date whoever you want. I'm not judging if she's 20 years younger. I get it. She's hot. You want to bang her. You don't want to bang somebody who's like got to get reading glasses. I understand it. But just don't make it seem like I'm supposed to be proud of you for following a biological last more... gasp impulse. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Um, you know I, what I mean, though? It's oh, like, I totally understand what you mean. And they go, I, I but totally, she, and I really want you to meet I was that guy. She's really funny. Right, right. Like, she's well, good. old for her age. She's yeah. old for she's her an age. She's an old soul. She's an old soul. Yeah. I cannot tell you how she's many times. She's traveled I've around so much. Right. Like, she was right. like she was on Indian. her own she at 18. She went to college on her own at 18. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, oh, she's the one who went to college at 18. Right, yeah. right. At 16, she got a driver's license. At yeah. 16. So yeah. at that time. No, what? 15. What, had a driver's learner's permit at 15. Right, exactly. And she's very. Uh, right. If you meet, you'll meet her and you'll, you'll, you'll meet her. You know, the other thing is funny is I, I keep having these guys, especially the people who move out here to L.A., who, um, you know, they'll get successful. And one of the, with one of their first tastes of success, they'll date a model. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has happened to a ton of my friends. They become a director. They get their first feature. They date a model. It's very. It's almost like part of the role. Anyway, they always tell me sort of how brave they are for dating a model because it's really hard for models because they people. You know, I, I actually had somebody say to me not so long ago. Um, so I'm dating this woman. She's a model. I was. I think I might have rolled my eyes, and uh, and he said, uh, you know what, Laura? It's not easy for her to be a model. You know, because everyone judges her for being pretty. Sort of like how you can get away with anything because you're funny. People are judging her constantly for being beautiful. And there's more to her than just her beauty. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I'm sorry. So am I supposed to feel bad for her because she's too beautiful for this world? And people are like, what are you talking about? And why are you why are you making me go through this? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Just date her and shut the hell up. But like, don't make me feel sorry for her. The plight of the model. Like, just be a model. But it's also Love it. Wear a bikini all the time. If I looked like a model, I would be so obnoxious about it. I would wear a bikini in the wintertime. I'd be like, yeah, suck it. This is what I look like. And, like, it's fine. I get it. But don't make me sympathize. And it's like, also, what is he saying to you? It's like, you're not that attractive. That's like, you... what he's also saying. Like, you don't know how hard it is for pretty girls. That's basically what he's saying. I'm like, I am pretty. I am pretty. And I know I'm pretty. Because I had a blind date, and the guy did not think I was pretty, and he was so like, like had like revulsion. No. Honestly, I had never, I've never seen anything like it. And I thought my takeaway, which is what I like about myself, was, oh, I must be pretty because this has not happened to me before. So I must be like prettier than I thought because this is like a crazy thing. Like I oh, imagine awesome. if you're completely monstery looking, then that must happen more often exactly. or something. So exactly. I was like, all right, oh. way to go me. I'll have another wine on my own, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he walked in, he saw me. I don't know how he'd been how I'd been described to him, but like he literally was like, oh, uh, was at a wine did bar. You, he was you... like 15 minutes late. So I was like sitting there. So I, you know, the wine brother, like, Can we get... so they got me a glass of wine and I was sitting there and he walked in and then he realized I was me and he was like, oh. Uh, 
you Laura? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. Um, all right. I have to go. I have a, I'll have a beer. I'll have a fast beer. Okay. Just anything. I don't care what, any kind of beer. It's like one of those like artisanal places too. And they were like, we have this kind of beer. He's like, I don't care. Just any beer, just a beer. Um, and I'll pay for it right now. Here's my credit card. Here's my credit card. I have to go. I'm going to a friend's barbecue and, uh, you know, barbecues, you should actually go on time. And I've always been going late to my friend's barbecues and they've been like, will you please start going on time? Anyway. So what are you doing tonight? You're like, uh, probably, you know, I like to bake. And my, and my friend had said that she, you know, Laura likes to bake, which I also like, that's another thing I kind of hide because I just like, don't want to be the woman who bakes. Right. That is I just want to bake. Yeah. Yeah. Because nowadays yeah. also with everyone getting like really art, I just want to bake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. like have to like no. compete with who's the best baker. And, and it's if also, you say you like to cook, right. someone's like, did you, did you get these bowls? Oh, do you know about this kind of sugar? And you're like, dude, I'm sure you're a great baker. I just want to go and get the shitty normal sugars, make some cakes. I don't, I don't want to have to win. Right. It's like I surf, I surf badly. I, I bake, I just bake. I don't want to, I'm not trying to win anything. What did he say to you? He literally did that whole spiel about like, I, I got to go, I have to go to this barbecue, whatever. And then I was laughing at myself because my impulse should have been to be like, you know what? Fuck you. Just If I'm this monster, just get the fuck out of here. And instead my impulse was like, I can win this thing. I'm like, oh yeah, he doesn't like me now. He's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he thought. I, I honestly am not a monster. I'm totally like at the very worst, you could bang me drunk. Like I'm. <laughs> I'm not a monster. Like I don't, I don't have like open lesions. I don't have like, you know, any crazy chromosomal I think, I think dysfunctions the word on the street is, where you can bang me drunk. That's a bad yeah. Like I'm totally about. like if you're crazy drunk, I'm sure at the very least you can be like, all right, I can do that. Like you know, it's not like I don't. Exp- I'm not walking a catwalk. I'm not like on the cover of magazines. I'm, I'm not getting. I'm not skating by on my looks. But I'm like, you know, I'm not a. So what did he say? So how did you know? How he was like a totally, smiling dog. He was a smiling dog. Uh-huh. He just sort of was like, what? And then he drank his beer. And then uh, it was like, he said, so what are your plans tonight? And I said, because I guess we'd been emailing. And I said, I'm going to um, something. I can't remember what I was saying. Weren't your plans tonight to hang with him? Well, no, because it was like an early, like, if it's like oh. a first so date it's the, drink it's just thing, lunch it's like, thing. let's meet for a drink. Right. So right, it was like, we were right. meeting for a drink at like six o'clock. It was like happy hour drink. And, uh, you know, maybe if things had gone really well, like I always kind of have like, if things had gone really great, then maybe, but even now, like, I'm not sort of like those magic things that like, just don't, it's more like you sort of, I don't know. No, I get it. I get but it. I get it. Maybe. I don't know. I, I would have moved things around if things had been like phenomenal, but they, but you weren't planning. But I had like, plans for the night. I had friends coming in You didn't in buy a plane ticket. No, I didn't buy a plane ticket. And in fact, my plans were to make a cake. Right. But I think that's because we had talked about that. And then, uh, I had friends coming in town from Europe who were stopping in LA for a night. And then they were going on to Australia. So I was like to have a, like a weird 1130 drink with friends from France. So it was sort of like, he said like, so what are you doing tonight? So I'm, I'm making a cake and then I'm going out later with some friends who are coming in from out of town. And uh, he said, um, oh, well, you should. So then when he, he drank his beer, he's like, all right, well, I should go. I said, okay, well, it was nice meeting you. And I was trying to be charming and talk to him. And I remember he wouldn't tell me what he did. He said he was a producer. And so he had said, he told me he was a producer of TV stuff. And so. When I was talking to him, I said, so what kinds of things do you produce? And he's like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I was like, well, I mean like dramas or football games or he was like, it's like different like TV shows. I was like, I know, but like, there's like 5,000 channels. <laughs> that could be anything. That could be, you know, the surfing channel that could be uh, public access, like, you know, anything. And he was like, yeah, it's just like, that's what, like drama kind of things. And I was like, okay. And then he finished his drink he's like well I should go and I was like all right well I'll walk out with you and he was like no 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 god uh no no 
you should stay here. Stay here. Uh, and uh, stay here and just like, uh, you know, it's a Friday night. Like, you never know who you'll meet. You should stay here. Maybe you'll meet somebody and it'll be really great. And you stay here or whatever. And he basically like, ran out. And I was just sitting there and I had my purse on my shoulder. I put my purse on my shoulder and I was sort of standing and the guy had already taken away my half-finished wine glass. And I was just like, uh, right. So I didn't really know. I think he was terrified. I don't know what he was terrified if I would see his car or like maybe he had some car that I would recognize him from. These are my theories. Or I think he was terrified I was going to do that hug thing. Like maybe he, like, I don't know how. You're going to get ugly on him or what? I don't, what, what, the, what did your friends say after you, whoever hooked you up? They were sort of like, I, I, I don't, he seemed like a nice, I don't know. They, I don't know. I kept, I kept, and so, but this is my favorite part. There was a guy at the bar. Mm-hmm. It was that who knew me, who saw the whole thing go. Down. Excuse me. Who's in tight? Who saw the whole thing go down? Mm-hmm. And that was embarrassing. Did he say anything? Yeah, he was like, "Whoa!" Oh, I was like, nice. "Oh," and I don't like this guy. He's sort of like, "Oh, not nice." Well, I mean, he's just like this guy who, like, I've always just been like, "Hello," like I just think he's real snotty, and uh. His name's Eli. He's, I'm always like, hello, Eli. And he's friends with a group of my friends, and he was like dating like young girls. And he's just kind of like, I just remember one of our friends got, a mutual friend got married, and the, the man is a potter, and it made like these beautiful pots. This is why I don't like Eli. Made these beautiful pots and um, to commemorate the marriage, the wedding. And the wedding was like at their house, and I was the minister. It was like a small wedding. Uh-huh. And, and Eli had like sort of tossed the thing at the end of the night like he's that i was i mean i don't think he's always like that but he was like that then just to sort of be like yeah who cares and they say hey you forgot your pot and he took it and just tossed it and i was like fuck you they made the pots so after that i was, I was like ugh, that guy so then he saw the whole thing go down and i was like hi like you know what buy me a motherfucking glass of wine <laughs> i made him buy me a glass of wine and then he was like i made him sit with me and he was sitting with some friend of his and i was like hi how do you do i'm laura did you see that that just all happened i need another glass of wine like it was just oh wow horrible it's horrible, and it's also one of those things where you go, where you think, that happened to me. Yeah. And that happens a, to me all the time where I think, wow, did everyone, that just happened. You saw that, right? Like, I love that. I love those moments. You do? I? I love those moments because, like, to go, wow, that just happened. And for me, and for you, I think, you don't have an emotional connection to, that happened. It didn't, it didn't make you look at your life and go, what a fucked up person I am. No, because I, I knew it was nothing I had done, but it did kind of scar me. It made me feel like, you know, I mean, that's like. But it didn't scar, not in the retelling of the story. The no. retelling of the story, the way you were retelling the story. That's true. It has no, you didn't, there's nothing that you are telling me in the retelling of the story yeah. that is anything but, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome what you just did. Yeah. And for you, and That night was bad. I know, of course. But as time goes on, you look at that and, and you re, you don't, you don't, don't you wonder what it was? Like, what could it have been? Well, here's the thing. The what doesn't matter. I know, but it kill. I want to know it. Right. It. We cannot know anybody's fucked up background. And, and, that's and, and the that's, thing. That's the theme of what it was that we've been talking about, is you don't know what's in somebody's background. That's true. And that's what I think is always so interesting about dating or work relationships or whatever kind of personal relationships you have, is that, like, you know, like a, a friend of mine just got pretty extensive plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, she got all these things fixed and I fixed, fixed in her mind. Right. Changed. Right. And, uh, and in my head, I was like, that's what's so funny about dating is there was this thing. One time I was in England and I was watching TV like at three in the morning. My parents were 
I was in a room with my parents and they were, I was just like, I'll just watch anything. And England has the best TV. And there was this one show that was about dating, about like the science of love or something. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Uh, no. The science of love. And um, they, they, had, they basically had broken down what attracts people to each other. And one of them was like, if faces matched, mm-hmm. like oftentimes people would date people who on a very empirical level look like them. Okay. And, uh, and so they had taken this clump of men and a clump of women and they'd scanned everyone's faces and they'd broken down the, the quadrants and, you know, and they had figured out who, which, who should match up based on what they look like, who should be attracted to each other. And true to form, like they found that the results were a bunch of the people who should be attracted to each other were attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. And there was one wow. couple in particular who really looked like their faces scanned the most like each other. And, um, and so they, they were like, yeah, I like this guy and I like this girl. And they went on. So they, they go on this date and they, we watch part of the date. And then afterwards, they talk to the woman and they say, what do you think? And she said, hey, I really liked him. I liked his face. Um, and then she said, uh, they said, would you go out with him again? She said, yeah, I think I would. And they said to him, what do you think? And he said, well, I liked her when she walked in. But then she had a, she kind of smelled like an old teacher of mine. And I thought that is, the, that is all relationships. It's, you can just change as much as you want, but you might smell like someone's teacher. And you just don't know. <laughs> or you might eat your soup in a specific way that's either endearing or oh like... Oh, God. It's so, it's so weird. Right? Like, like you just... You smell like one of my old teachers. It wasn't even you smell like an ex-girlfriend of mine. No, a teacher. A teacher. Like somebody leaned over, helped him with the map, and he was like, look, nope. <laughs> like, and what is that smell? We don't know what that smell is. Right. And, I mean, I'm like that. I totally know. I've had people who haven't liked me. Like, I've met them, and they've been like, look, like that guy... I had a boss one time who I walked in. I'd never met him before, and I, they'd hired me on my writing. And I walked in, and he was just like, ugh. And he never liked me. And I was like, I must have looked like someone who was mean to him in right. grade school. Like something right. you can't control. Right. Which I also think is just so fascinating. Um, okay, we got to right, stop. Done. How long has this been going on? This is the longest podcast I've ever had. Oh, my God, really? It's really good, but I didn't want to stop because I like talking. Oh, do you about... edit these? No, I know. This part will probably be in, too. I don't edit anything. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. If you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows, you can get that information at addcomedy.com. If you want to take a class with Dave, that information is located on his website at davidrosowski.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski. Today's episode was sponsored by Troubadour, a restaurant movie. A new movie by Group Mind Films, portraying an accurate, sometimes funny, and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life. Troubadour, a restaurant movie. Available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.